This is not a military takeover. Stand by for action. Anything can happen in the next hour. It's Friday, it's 11 o'clock, and it's time for the Paranoid Squirrel Rock Show with your host, Armish. Good evening, fellow Acreona, and have I got for you tonight something different, something special, as the whole of this evening's show is going to be me in conversation with Duncan Reed and Nick Hughes from Duncan Reed and the Big Heads about their brand new album, Don't Blame Yourself, that hit the virtual record shops today. That was the 15th of May, streaming, downloading, and future non-rock radio UK listeners interspersed with choice and relevant Duncan Reed tunes. This took place via Zoom uh, a couple of weeks ago. Originally, it was going to be in person before the album launch gig yesterday at the Blackheart, obviously. Neither of those two things could happen or did happen. Yeah, up until a few days before the conversation, I hadn't a clue about Zoom, as uh, that is how it was conducted for me. It's a nice relief from the 1970s. Fortunately, my daughter had it on her MacBook, so she was able to guide me through it. Regrettably, it seems I have a lot to learn about microphone placement. As the MacBook was set up on a small table in our conservatory, whilst I languished about six feet away on a sofa, whilst the more professional of the three of us, that would be Duncan and Nick, were nice and close. And in the case of Nick, he had headphones with a mic. So if I sound like I'm a long way away, that's because I am. Welcome to my world. Yes, we want it. What have you been doing over the lockdown? What have you been doing to while away your time? It's, I'm actually really busy. Um, I, I started off, obviously, with gigs getting cancelled left, right and centre and uncertainty about whether the album was going to come on time, being really lethargic and just watching way too much Netflix. And then I started just doing a video diary about writing the song and it really energised me. And then um, people have really got into it and really followed it and it got me going again. And then Nick here nicked one of my little doodles <laughs> off the video and he finished up another song, which is brilliant. So I've just about finished my song and I'm really looking forward to getting on to the one that uh, Nick has started and doing some lyrics and finishing it off I'm really excited about that yeah, that's, so that's, I. That's it, another it. song for the big heads catalogue then 
Yeah, I, I guess I guess which one of us gets there first, but you know, <laughs> yeah. no, it might be a midnight men song and, and a big head song at the same time, and we we'll see which one is the better. Well, you know what? Because I, I can actually see this is what I was kind of trying to say on a on a message the other day. It's like wherever we get to with this song, even if we if we try this approach of uh, like myself getting involved earlier on in the process, it might not work. But what will definitely work is we'll have elements of that song which will fit perfectly into. Each either Middle Night Men or, or Duncan Reed songs. So no, as soon as I heard it, it was like, I need to get involved in that before it turns into something that I, I have less of an affinity with. And I think, no, I think it'll be a brilliant Big Head song, to be honest. I've, we've already got, um, I spoke to Karen, who's, who's ready, because uh, I can al- already picture some female backing vocals. And this is where it's going to be interesting, because you know, me and, me and Duncan both, we, we are backing vocal people, and we, we write very differently. So it, it's going to be really interesting to see how those two worlds collide, because they'll be, whatever the other person came up with will be very different to what the other person came up with. So totally. we'll I'm, see. I'm, I'm really excited about it on two counts. I mean, A, it's a really good song, and it's going to be a really good song, and I think the big head should do it. But I hadn't actually written a song for a year because, you know, we were recording the album. I get so obsessed with it. And I, I said to Nick the other day, I tend to be very male and linear in what I'm doing. It's just one <laughs> thing at a time. Um, so it's great. It's a great song. And B, when it comes to the next album, I'm only going to have half the work to do. <laughs> <laughs> there is that as well. You could like both do versions, see how they come out for both set of bands. Yeah, yeah well, I mean, there's no such thing as a single anymore, really, as, uh, as yeah. I've been told. But so you can't, you don't really have B-sides as much anymore. But yeah, I don't think, I don't think that's a bad idea, actually. So no. two, two, very, two very direct, uh, sort of creatively led versions by each other person, and the other person just has to do what the other one says on their version. <laughs> you know, nah, I, I, wouldn't be, <laughs> I wouldn't be like that, Nick. I w- would you not? But <laughs> 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 the, um, the finished one, uh, that's called Can I Go Out Now, please? That's what you've been working on on uh, Facebook. You've been doing a video diary. That's right. And, and uh, yeah, I was just... Uh, that's a fellow called Dave Bundy, who's actually on the new album, the, the guy that I wrote the track Dave about. Um, mm. And he got in touch and said, oh, I'd really like to have a copy of that. Will you put it on Bandcamp? So, oh, what a great idea. So I put it on Bandcamp. And uh, yeah, people have really loved it. And they've been downloading it like crazy. Dreaming of a day when social is back in. Oh, well. The day when we're all playing instead of isolating. Watching as the grass grows planting with potatoes all around I'd rather watch the football than be out on a couple, yeah Oh, can I go out now please? Oh, you know I'd be good
Mike, I was listening to uh, some of your back catalogue, as uh, most people should do all the time. And just on the on the second album, like End of the World, that at the moment just seems like really, <laughs> really spot on. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was a it was it was a little bit of a jokey song. It's got a, a, a nice reference in, into it about a bloke who wakes up with a hangover and uh, turns on the news uh, and says that the world is going to end. Sees that the world's going to end in two days' time, and all he's worried about is getting back the the money on the holiday that he's booked with the week after. <laughs> Is the first one that uh, Nick's been involved in. Did you, when you demoed, did you approach it different? Different because Nick was uh, on board. 
or is it just no. the same as you? <laughs> no. But I tell you what, uh, the thing that um, I'm I'm so chuffed about, and, and listen listen to the album again uh, last night, it is the interplay of guitars between Nick and Sophie, which I just think is exceptional. I mean, you listen to a track like um, uh, what's that one with the what's the one about you, Nick, where the bloke wakes up and looks at the bottle. <laughs> oh, welcome to my world. That's it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know what you're talking and, about. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, on the uh, last episode of the song diary that goes out, because I've recorded the, the, the demo for that very much in my style with just a chugging guitar. But you listen to what Nick and Sophie do, and all of these little riffs and things that go on together, and they work so well together that it just transforms the songs, uh, you know, into something that uh, they weren't before. Yeah, because me, me and Sophie, right very differently um we've, we've we've definitely got our own styles we've, de- we've got our own styles in terms of overdubs um uh and our own styles of rhythm play and then it was it was going to be interesting to see how it actually worked because we, although we played together for about three years now we've, we've never actually tried to collaborate on a song and what what i'm trying to learn more of is the when I get excited about a song, I'll be like, right, I need to go and write all the guitar parts. I've got, I've got the exact thing laid out, mind mapped in my mind. And then, um, uh, and as soon as you, you're like, oh, I, I think this is because I'm, I'm not as experienced in that sort of writing process. It's like, oh, what, someone else is going to come in and, and, uh, and sort of mess with this thing, this perfect genius thing that I've got in my mind. And it's when you start letting go and letting people come in and lay their bits on as well, you realise that it adds extra dimensions on. Like what you, what you write as a solo artist or as two people, it's very good. It can be very, very good. I mean, you don't necessarily need someone else, but every single person who comes in, they add a new dimension on and it instantly makes it more more exciting. So yeah, for me, it was really exciting listening back to what Sophie would add because it still sounded as amazing as I thought it was going to amaze, but it surprised me as well. So if, if, if there's someone who is kind of involved in the writing process of a song you, you there's sometimes a tendency when you're working on a song for a couple of months you can start getting bored of it before it's out but if every time you're hearing something new it's like wow that's really good that's really good it's a it's a sign of a good song so yeah no, it's a really good creative process to go through <laughs>
to my world Which we wanted to mildly absurd Welcome to my world Girl, it's coming and playing Welcome to my world Though you may be shaken and stirred Welcome to my He's come in and played. Did you like um, rehearse the album as a band, or was it like um, trading MP3s? Because I know that there's um, there's the demo CD that people, if they go to your website, they can actually like they can uh, buy. They can't uh, anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> no, no, that was just available to the people who pledged. They've missed. They've missed that because I have to say, because I, I do love hearing demos uh, because I think it's great the way that you hear the finished article and you see it's all more like a birth and you can see how things change and um, yeah, so they've missed out. So there you go. <laughs> but it was yeah, but half it... and half. To, the answer to your yeah. question is half and half. There were some songs like um, "Motherfucker" and uh, "Welcome to My World" uh, and a couple of others that we had played regularly over the last year. There were a couple of others like "Little Misunderstood." Um, that we had played once or twice and then there were others that we um, we hadn't even uh, rehearsed before um, what, what happens is with, with the demos I send them I send them around uh, and people learn their parts uh, Karen lays down a, a, a drum track uh, to the demo and, that, and then with those songs we haven't played before everybody comes in and, and, and puts their bits together so it's a mixture but you, you, you also find that like you can you can be playing a song like Welcome to My World for well we must have been playing it for almost a year yeah. um, before we even went into the studio and it's it's a really good process for solidifying the backbone of it but still you can be playing something for a year and it's only when you get into the studio and start looking at overdubs that it grows into this bigger thing as well so I definitely find it really valuable like just getting a feel for it and how it's going to be played live as well and then you can sort of tweak it from there yeah I have one issue with um, Welcome to My World you use the word garbage instead of rubbish. It sounds like an Americanism. It's like, where, Good. where, <laughs> oh, I feel like White Snake when he changed um, Hobo to Drifter in, um, like, there I go again. But, um, yeah. No, it, it, yeah. Now, there was a reason for that, though. I think, I think it's scanned better. I, got, I would have had no, no objection using rubbish. <laughs> garbage, but no, no, it just sat, it just felt, it just felt right. Talk, talking of live, obviously the live gig, the original date, that's, that's been postponed now. It's, it's been rearranged to uh, it's September now, or is it July? No, it, it, it's actually July the 9th, which is my birthday, but standing where we are today, I just, you know, I can't see that happening. Um, it'll get put It'll get put back again. Um, and we do. I don't know whether it'll be at the Black Heart. Um, we have got um, a date booked, uh, a, a very good date booked in, in December. We can't, we can't get too close to that, so what I probably might do... Which, July which the 9th, one's close, that? Which it probably will. The Lexington is that the one? Yeah, so I don't know if you've seen the news today, but they've put a fundraiser up today because they're thinking they might be closed within three months at the Lexington. Yeah, I think that's going to happen with a lot of venues. You know, yeah. who survives, it's really worrying. It's, it's going to be difficult for a lot of them. Definitely. So we're playing it by ear. 
when you actually come to do the, uh, the are you going to play the album in full? No. We play seven or so tracks off the album, which is, which is half of it, and then we play a lot of old favourites. It'd be difficult to translate some of the album tracks to a live setting, because you, know, yeah. you know you get some classic songs, which are the amazing, amazing sort of songs where you want to be sat on your own, and you turn your lights off, and you just listen to every single thing that's f- filling that sonic landscape some of it that doesn't happen at a gig <laughs> you can't have that quiet and some of the songs are, are a bit live at and you just want to sit with them and some of them you want to have a party with them so it's tailored yeah, to the that, occasion i mean that's dead right if you take a, a track like the grim reaper which is you know one of one of my favorites on the album it's it's so much about the atmosphere and the arrangement and especially those incredibly complicated backing vocals <laughs> that you couldn't you just couldn't mm-hmm. see us being able to do it live although if nick gets his trumpet out and plays the trumpet parts we might give it a go singing these old-fashioned songs All designed to make him sing along See him lurking always out of sight Never welcome We're gonna have a party Sling your hook We're going to live forever Hey you Stay all night if you like And join them with the party The DJ's here
it, that's a, almost has a, like a 90s, 20s feel, a bit sort of like, I, feel, I hear like people doing like the Charleston to it, something like, you know, it, it, <laughs> it, it, it seems a bit, uh, not at odds with the rest of the album, but it, it just, it's different. Was, was it something that just came together? Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, it was just, um, yeah, it was just, it, I, I don't know where songs come from, you know, they, they, they just come from this weird place and then they're there and, you have, and I have this idea. Uh, and as I explained in the video, they usually just arrive in my head and I have to get them on the dictaphone or the iPhone before they disappear. And then I come back to them later uh, and, and, and finish them off. But um, I mean, it's one of the things I really like about the album. There's 14 tracks, about eight of them, eight or nine of them are what you might call rockers in their own way. And then there's these other eclectic ones like the Grim Reaper, Reaper and Tea and Sympathy, uh, Oh What a Lovely Day. And for me, that variation makes an album interesting. You know, if you have an, there are some albums like the Ramones albums, obviously absolutely brilliant, where they go in and go bang, bang, bang all the way through. But they had a particular genius and they, they could carry that off. Most people can't. I like to listen to a record that goes up and down. Well, talking of the Ramones, how did you get to be a Ramon, even though it was you and Casino still just for one gig? How did that no, come No, it was about? the whole tour. It was the whole tour? Yeah, it was because we were, we were playing with them, obviously, when they had the end of the century out. And uh, Baby, I Love You was at about number 15 or something in the charts. It sort of got into the charts and they had a chance to have um, uh, a big hit, but they weren't playing it live on this tour. So we said to them, why, why the hell aren't you playing it live? And uh, Johnny and Dee Dee said, well, it's because, um, you know, we didn't play on the record and we don't know how to play it. Um, so we had to teach them. We had to teach Johnny in particular how to, how to play the, the song. And he was really perturbed when there were some minor keys in it. He didn't know how to cope with that. Um, and then, of course, it's, on the record, it's got those strings and it's got lots of backing vocals. So Cass um, offered to play the string parts on his organ and, um, and me and him did the uh, backing vocals together. And we did that every night. So. So hence became uh, the only two people to play with the Ramones who are not called Ramone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There we go. You can read the Ramone. That sounds horrible, doesn't it? Donkey Ramone sounds a lot better. I just want to baby, I love you.
with a remind on uh, were you influenced by them both of you to be to be honest with what, what influences you do you want to go first nick yeah i mean look i'll be honest i was, I was late to the, the whole 77 game um before before i joined duncan um I I was an unknowing power pop fan because through um I mean people who influenced me were people like you know Beach Boys, Ben Folds, Wild Hearts, it's all around these glorious harmonies and heavy music. And I'd never I'd never really heard the term power pop really before I before I joined Duncan. But obviously there are power pop elements in bands like like the Wild Hearts with that sort of, you know, the anthemic side to it at times. Um I was never <laughs> I was never a massive Remains fan. I feel so awkward saying <laughs> saying that. Um, however, I am a fan of anything which has that sort of infectious live um, atmosphere about either a song or uh, a back catalogue video you see of people playing. Um, so yeah, I mean, I enjoy playing playing the tracks when we uh, when we've had a, a bit too much ale and we crack into them in an encore. That's that's all very well, um, but I wouldn't be able to uh, to recite their entire back catalogue to you. But yeah, no, other than that, it's definitely stuff like um, like the Wild Hearts. I was brought up in the nineties, so it, musically. Um, so before that, a lot escaped me, other than things like Meatloaf, um, which who is awesome. You what you want to do is, is is hear his karaoke version of "I Believe I Can Fly." <laughs> can I just say I'm not a, I'm not an R. Kelly fan. I'm a <laughs> I'm a karaoke fan. You well, like you think he was an R. Kelly fan? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I look. I like pop. I like things that people can sing along to. I've got I've got no issue with um, with going to pop concerts to see bands like Busted and McFly. That's to me. That's for modern day power pop. Um, but they're just commercially successful as well. Okay, they might not be singing about the most important things in their lives, um, uh, but um, melodically from an arrangement point of view it's, it's very similar and i'll challenge anyone who disagrees with that so yeah anything I, anything i can sing along to and sing a bad harmony along to when drunk i'd i'd never it's funny i'd never really heard of the term power pop until the boys were booked to um, headline at the power pop festival in austin texas and then watching all the other bands on the bill i thought bloody hell i think we started a movement here you know with a, a combination of sort of punk and beatles harmonies uh, and, and and since then i've got to say i mean that the, most of the music that i listen to today is a, a lot of american power pop which i think is in really good shape and a lot of good stuff going on in the uk as well but your original question yeah the ramones were game changers for um uh they were for the boys you know until that until that point we were trying to be a sort of 60s band kinks who beatles stone small face and then heard the Ramones first record saw them live and immediately didn't change much but just sped up yeah. um, and a huge influence Did you, you come from originally you're from um, Canterbury aren't you Duncan yeah. so that's sort of like a more prog is that why you left or <laughs> I did when I was thirteen years old. I did have a I did have a prog period. The caravan were were caravan and Orlando Bloom are about the only people who come from Canterbury that anybody's heard of, uh, apart from Chaucer and the rest of it. But um, and Archbishops. But um, no, I, I, it, it, it wasn't the reason I left. I, I just um, it's funny because the rest of my family um, and Canterbury is only about sixty miles from London. But when they come to London, they tend to get a bit twitchy. Whereas I always wanted to uh, move there. And when I did move to London, of course, it was, it was very lucky to uh, 
fall right in the middle of it wasn't punk but it was immediately before punk started with all the people who were hanging out like mick jones and billy idol and people like that It was another age Beatles on TV Football in the street All my friends and me We played there all day long We were all in clover Nothing could go wrong Time just rolling on well, a small town's cool Till you reach 16 Till the sirens call From a brighter sea So I packed my bags And I moved to London For a bright new dawn Time just rolling on well, I found a job in a factory where I made some friends, played guitar like me, and we formed a band. We were all in clover, nothing could go wrong. Time just rolling on. So I'm sitting here Looking back on life My daughter's all grown up Still got a lovely wife And everything's just fine Everything's in clover When all is said and done Time's just rolling on when all is said and done Time's just rolling on it's more like the, the pub rock still then, wasn't it? And that was the that was the like Eddie and the Hot Rods. Well that was going on. Um but the the bunch that I was hanging out with were it was more sort of um flaming groovies, mop the hoople, um mm. that, that sort of thing really. Going, going back to the boys very, very briefly, 
you're no longer in the boys. What what happened? <laughs> well, it, I, I didn't really mention this for a long time. I, mean, I was very happy being in the boys and it was great fun. Um, but bands are funny things. And we had a massive great fight, um, which was you know very painful at the time. But uh, it's actually the best thing that ever happened to me because uh, otherwise I would, you know, would have carried on happily playing with the boys and I wouldn't have gone on to, uh, to make four albums that I'm extremely proud of that I think just get better and better and um, and to play with um, the most amazing um, live band that I think exists on the planet. Well, you you still keep a few boys songs in the live set though. I do, uh, and mainly because I just love playing them. Um, it's interesting um, speaking to people. There, there is almost split down the middle. People who come to see us, a mixture of, of people say, "Oh, I love coming." Uh, and seeing great versions of those great songs played live. And then there are other people saying, why do you play those old songs? Why don't you play more of your own songs? So but so making a toss on it, I, playing First Time, playing Brickfield Nights, playing So Depressing, they're just great fun to play live. So I can see both sides because, you know, your own songs stand up in their own right. But the boys, they don't play that very often. So you don't get to hear those songs live, like, you know, maybe once a year every other year uh, and whereas you when we you know when we could gig um, people get to hear those songs more regularly so it's it sort of like you know three or four songs out of a hour set it's not too uh, you know I think it works well yeah it's, it's it's quite funny when we played Japan recently because we actually tend to play when it's our gig about an hour and a quarter plus um, and the great thing about playing in Japan is that they tend to have about seven or eight bands an evening each of them playing 20 minutes so when we turned up for the first gig uh, the promoters often ask oh how how long are you going to play for and I said oh about an hour and 15 minutes and there was a look of horror on his face <laughs> that we were going to play for so long but yeah we play about uh, about four boys songs in that time depending on how long people want us to go on there was one time that uh, um, one of the after parties at Rebellion, we went on for about an hour and a quarter and played practically the whole boys' catalogue. <laughs> Please! 
Going back to the new album, um, on a couple of the tracks, I think it's probably like the vocal harmony was, but I do get a bit of a, a monkey's vibe. I mean, I, I know it, it, they are name checked in one of the songs, but like Little Misunderstood, Pleasant Valley Sunday there a little bit, and also Jealousy in the vocal harmony. So I'm thinking, oh, monkeys, is, is that something that you'd agree with or it's just a coincidence? I, it's not something that's ever occurred to me, but I'm just totally blown away with gratitude that you said it because you know monkeys are one of my favorite bands ever
one of the ones, um, the title track of the that T-Rex, get it on. Yeah, in the guitar playing it is, isn't it? Yeah. Very but... much so. But there's you know, uh, there's, there's so many uh, people who've ripped that off. I mean, Oasis have ripped that off as well. It's just got a great vibe to it.
um, my favourite track on the album, or one of the favourite tracks, is uh, "To Live or Not to Live." Yeah. Who, who made, there's a, like a little bit of a. It sounds like a bit of a Foo Fighters guitar riff. Who, who plays that? Who is it, Nick? So I'm trying to trying to think what riff it is. I don't it's know. Funny I you should say that because there's a few of them in the, in the song. That's why <laughs> it originally had a different tune. I thought oh, I've written this song. That song is brilliant, and I brought it into the rest of the band, and we rehearsed it. And they said, "Don't be stupid. It's Monkey Wrench. You've just written I... Monkey Wrench. You <laughs> have to go away and change the tune." Obviously, not enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I changed the singing. It was obviously you lot carried on playing Monkey Wrench. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think it's a, a collection of both me and Sophie. That maybe. <laughs> out to a stranger Gonna let them treat it like their own Gonna move abroad and try something Gonna try a taste of the unknown I spent my whole life being safe and steady
on the on the track um, motherfucker but you said that it, it, it sounded like something you'd heard it before was it Simon Love yeah because I, I tried I thought oh Google that song and I couldn't I can't find that his song's called motherfuckers plural ah. and um, and it was after I, I came across it on Spotify and oh bloody hell and I know I will have heard his song I didn't deliberately rip it off I I, <laughs> I, I will have heard it um, it's mainly the chorus um, with that sort of answer vocal that in both songs goes motherfucker he goes motherfuckers and I go motherfucker so I got in touch with him and, and I sent him the demo and I said I'm really sorry I, I didn't mean to do it but I think I've stolen your song and he, <laughs> and he said uh, yeah it does sound a bit similar so um, we've split the credit and in fact one of the things I want to do in this lockdown period is is, is do a silly um, video uh, going from his his song into our song and I'm going to get that together over the coming weeks oh that'd be a good idea yeah because yeah. I do but, like his albums he's a very funny guy it, it, it's um, yeah it's, some of the albums are so funny because every single song has got foul language in it uh, and the way that he uses foul language is very funny I think at this point it's justifiable to have compare and contrast first up is Duncan Reed and the Big Heads motherfucker that will swiftly be followed by Simon Love's motherfuckers that can be found on his It Seemed Like a Good Idea at the Time album. Yeah, what a fuck 
There's people around who screw you in the ground and whoa, whoa. They cheat and they lie, but it's okay cause God is on their side.
تو وامه As Duncan says, it does seem to have the, you know, being the chorus in the you know, melody department. But, you know, fair play to Duncan, though. I think if it was in Scotland, uh, when the court, it would be, what was it, like, not proven. Anyway, right, back to the interview. With this free time that everyone seems to have, I've been, like, reading a lot more. Have you, Duncan, thought about writing your own autobiography? It's something that I get asked a lot um, because I, I do write these uh, little blog bits on um, the Duncan Reed and the Big Heads dot com uh, website, and, and they're usually about about my life. And every time I write one, people say you you must write a book. But there's two things about that. A, it would take a lot of time, and I've got other things that I want to do. And B, I don't know how much of my life I can remember because most <laughs> of it was an awful long time ago, um, yeah. which is one of the problems with getting old. But yeah, I, I do enjoy writing those blog blog pieces. I really do. Uh, when I get into them, uh, they they are they are good fun. And I have I, I have been um, I've got a good friend Tony Beasley who who writes some great books. He's written books about the Clash and and what have you. And he'd really like to. Um, ghostwrite one for me but then on the other hand that would take away the fun of uh, writing it for me so um, on the one hand it would take a lot of time and on the other on the other hand it wouldn't be my book if, it, if I didn't do it you could do it as a, like as told to yeah well, yeah but, you know, when I write bits, it's like everything I do. It's brilliant. And uh, <laughs> it would be a shame not to, not to have that brilliance, really.
what what have you um, been up to? Have you, uh, any anything on the horizon that people should know about? I tell you what, I have been so busy since lockdown. I need a break. <laughs> I need to come off lockdown so I can uh, can chill out. I didn't realise how burnt out from gigging over the last few years I was until I've had a few weekends in a row, or well, a few weeks in a row, where I didn't have to pack a suitcase. Um, so as much as I'm sad not to be out there doing the gigs that we, uh, we said we were going to do, and you know we had some really good fun ones, I'm quite enjoying a bit of a break. And it's allowing um, it's allowing everyone uh, to be creative. Okay, through circumstances we'd much rather not have, have to be enduring, um, especially for a lot of our, our colleagues in the in the arts industry who are really suffering. But it does give you a lot of time to actually think about ideas and actually work and stuff. Um, personally, I'm trying to put a uh, a release plan for my own project, uh, which is for Middle Nightman. Um, but it's very hard to do when you're basically an unknown band like myself, um, who needs to acquire a fan base from, from pretty much nothing apart from word of mouth. And you're having to compete with issues in the industry where you're working with PR firms who are like we've just had to put all our major releases back until September so we can't take clients on so you're going to have to release something way into the future it's it's a really hard work to 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 do anything that's on the business side of it so um so while the business side is is kind of trying to tick over um with people who can look after that more boring side uh yeah it gives it gives a bit more time to actually do some creative stuff been doing a load of videos for the various bands it's very hard to come up with a lot of new ideas when people are stuck in lockdown there's only so much you can do videoing without leaving your house um but i've got um very exciting projects at the moment which we're doing this absolutely epic isolation video across the whole country and i'm, I'm not going to tell it so much about it because I'm, because it's quite an easy idea to uh, to replicate <laughs> but i haven't seen anyone do it yet but we've got a very exciting exciting uh, video that we're going to be doing to kind of try and support um the first release which who knows when that will be coming but hopefully early summer maybe late june we'll push the first first song out there that's that's really interesting because i mean we had the same issue didn't we we uh, cherry red got in touch and said oh you know we just can't we can't release a record in may um and i thought well what what do we do about this and we've got to a stage where the album be quite a long time coming and it can go stale so i thought bugger it we just go ahead we'll stick to the may 15 date we'll, we'll, we'll get it out there and um and Cherry Red can catch up in terms of getting it out in the shops and onto Amazon. Yeah, uh, definitely. It was just, oh. so, just, just wanted to get it out because we were so excited about the record uh, and just wanted everybody to have the chance to hear it. Massively. So, I mean, we were both, we were both recording the, both albums at similar times at the end of last year, and I'm, I'm in the same position where. I'm really excited about something and you don't want that excitement to stagnate even in yourself, let alone <laughs> people you're trying to persuade, persuade to talk to. So I'm very lucky because I've been involved in this incredible album as well. So I, I can put focus into watching people's great reactions and, and pushing this album as well. So yeah, I, yeah I'm better, that is one of the good points about being in multiple bands. You know, at the end of the day, the way the music business has gone for, for, for bands of, of, of our status, it's a DIY industry. Yeah. You know, you can 
the amount of that other people can do is just minimal compared to what you can do for yourself. Uh, yeah. You know, things like you know, knowing you, getting in touch with you, and being on being on on this program. There's just so many. It's so much about relationships and knowing people and finding the people who are going to know and like you. Doing the videos, like Nick says, you know, we've, I, I've got into making videos recently, uh, and uh, you just have to learn all these things and just do it for yourself. And the one advantage about technology these days is you can get it out there. You can yeah. get it in front of people. So I, I do feel that like a lot of the uh, record labels, they are just distributors now. Back in the day, like they'd give you some money to, you know, studio time and you record the album and that'd be it. These days, bands like yourself record the album with your own money and then a record label will distribute it. You know, so it, it, it has, you know, technology has given the power to the bands to be able to do this. But then, you know, you haven't got the uh, safety net of a major label or a label advancing you the money. No, that's right. It just doesn't exist anymore. Um, you know, I, and we obviously had a lot of help from our fans in, in, in making this record. And I've seen other musicians deride that. And I just say, you're, you're idiots. Because, you know, having people essentially buy the, the LP and the CD up to two years in advance, and then also do silly things like buy, buy our backdrop or buy the Welsh flag that <laughs> Sophie bloody well puts on my microphone every sodding gig, um, you know, is, is a huge help. Um, it, it, it really is. Um, and, and as you say, nobody's going to give you the money to uh, make the record otherwise. So if, uh, if fans are going to help out, that is absolutely brilliant. Yeah, and actually, just, you know, just before Christmas, I had a, a, an offer from a Swedish record company. Really nice people. I really like them. Um, asking if they could, um, if I was willing to let them put out the record out worldwide. But when you just look at it compared to us doing it ourselves, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So, so the new album is going to be, it's still coming out on on the 15th of May. Yeah. But is that, is that through you? That is just going to be if they go to Duncan Reed and the Big Heads website, they can buy it directly from you. Yeah. But obviously, it'll be on Spotify and, and, and Apple Music and, and, and all the rest of them worldwide digitally. It'll also uh, be on our Bandcamp bank site. But yes, if you, want, if you want a physical copy of the album, uh, please go to the Duncan Reed and the BigHeads.com site. And you can pre-order it now and, um, uh, 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 and we'll get it out to you. Right. I think, I think that's pretty much it. Unless there's any, any other pearls of wisdom either of you wish to impart. Oh, blimey, that's always the difficult one. That often comes at the end of an interview, and then as soon as it's asked, your mind goes completely blank. I've just got too much, <laughs> I've got too much wisdom in my mind to impart. <laughs> it, it will literally blow your mind. Yeah, I've got but, a lot of rubbish in there I can impart. Yeah, uh, yeah. go and like the Middle Nightmen Facebook page. There's nothing on it, but there's a thousand people who have somehow liked it. So. <laughs> and tell your friends about us. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. All right, gentlemen, thank you very much for spending the time. And uh, I look forward to seeing you both in person on stage soon. Excellent yeah. stuff. And keep up the good work, Armitage. I really love the show. Thank you very much. Indeed. So there you have it. I hope you enjoyed today's show. And if you feel so inclined, because you like what you have heard, that you pop over to DuncanReedandTheBigHeads.com to purchase Don't Blame Yourself, or over to their Bandcamp site, where you can also find their back catalogue. Also, don't forget to check out Nick's The Middle Night Men Facebook page, so you can be kept up to date with the album's progress. I do believe there's a video snippet from said album on 
line. Uh, as with all interviews, there were a couple of things I forgot to ask. If Duncan does feel that he should write his autobiography, and I hope that he does, I have the perfect title for it. Are you ready? Not only one of the boys. Get it? I, I'm here all week. But on a serious note, the last track... Uh, on both the demo and the regular album of Don't Blame Yourself, is Jealousy. And when it fades out, I was left going, wow, yeah, I, I wanted more. I didn't want the album to be over. So I was going to ask if uh, this was put at the end of the album deliberately, as it did seem the perfect way to finish the album off. So that is the song I'm going to play you out with. Until next time, stay safe and take it easy. Everything's just fine. Everything is out of sight And then the green-eyed monster comes along Spoiling for a fight Looking for the slightest light Looking for a right to be made wrong Monsters dead now anyway.